Hi everyone, um, this is Nathaniel, and welcome to Nathaniel's Hour. It's 10 o'clock in the morning. I'm with my good friend. Oh yeah, I should probably turn the headphones on. Um, there we go. Ha 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 ha. Um, uh, I'm with my good friend Anna. Anna Moore. Anna, how are you? I don't, I, yeah, I, I don't know why it looks like it should be on. Um, yeah, maybe you're at mic three. All right. She's at mic three. So all of you guys who heard me like not talk to myself, we had some technical difficulties. All right. Anna, how are you doing? Check, check. There we go. She's doing well. I'm doing lovely now. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Good things. So um, what we've got on the docket for you all. Um, oh, first of all, we have a message from our first ever sponsor. So exciting. So exciting. It's from your local library. Um, every single one of them. Yep. They all said that they wanted to sponsor the show. And so here, here's the read. Hi, your local library here calling you to read more and to come and engage in your community in a friendly manner. Thank you. Um, so that's exciting. Um, so Anna... Tell us a little, a little bit about yourself. Where are you from? What do you do? Uh, the sort. The things. I'm from Franklin, Tennessee, just outside of Nashville. So a little southern gal, you might consider me. Yeah. Uh, yes. <laughs> can I, you give us um? Can for the rest of it? Can you speak in your southern accent at least for a little bit? Uh, you gotta, you gotta warm up to that one. All right, my bad. Yeah, we're gonna save that for later. You gotta earn it. Okay. One, yeah. Uh, I am PPE in Spanish, so... What is PPE? Political science, philosophy, and economics. So Ah. it's one of the most pretentious majors that we have to offer at Taylor, so naturally I gravitate towards that. Yeah. So I have a question for you. This is an observation that I've had. As someone who's not a PPE major but takes Mm -hmm. a lot of classes with them, I've noticed that in a lot of the classes, I'm pretty sure... Because naturally everyone in the major kind of thinks they're the smartest person in the room. Mm -hmm. And I've noticed that no one ever actually engages in the classes. We all kind of just sit back and observe and none of us really feel like actually talking. Is Is that true? Are you, you talking say? about the non-PPE people or the people in PPE? Pretty much everyone in the classes. I think the whole department. I haven't seen that. Nope. I think sometimes it's fear-induced. We talk because we're scared. Uh, um, there are definitely people who assert themselves more so than others. Yeah. Um, depends on the environment. But I haven't noticed that. If anything, I've heard people talk too much. Oh, oh. Yes, hey, hey, two different two different experiences. Isn't yeah. perspective just so nice? Yes, it's beautiful. Yeah. Um, so yeah, well let's um let's get let's get started. Um so we're gonna give you some a co- uh, at least one song right off the bat. Um I know that you guys have all been asking for it, but here is going to be well, we're probably gonna give you one um trouble by Father John Misty. And then another, um, Darlin by Houndsmouth. So I hope you enjoy. Um, for anyone who is wondering about the weather lately, it's been absolutely delightful here in uh, the Taylor University. Um, so, yeah, here, here, here we go. I have seen your face and it's too much, too much for me. Trouble, oh trouble, can't you see? 
eating my heart away And there's nothing much left of me
Darlin by Houndsmouth. Um, doesn't he just get you going and ready for the day? Um, just like a cup of coffee. Just like a cup of coffee. Exactly, Anna. Um, so another thing. So the, we, we were talking, you know, during the during the music. And um, so poetry. What do you think about it, Anna? Poetry is something I don't normally gravitate towards because I feel like it's been something that has been pushed in my direction. Usually because of school and the kind of poetry that I have been shown for school has not been super um compelling or it feels like um an obligation but anytime that I've like desired to read it on my own and that's like poetry is very broad so Mm -hmm. it's not just like I like everything but I appreciate it I think it makes it forces me to step outside of the way that i think naturally i'm not a very yeah. poetically minded person i what like do you think words, it means like to be structure. what do you think it means to be a poetically minded person um i think there's a liveliness to it and just a freedom which um i don't allow myself to too much um so i think there's a different perspective that comes in poetry that i don't 
formulate on my own. Mm-hmm. So it's nice to like enter into someone else's mindset. Yeah. Um, so I've, for one of my classes, I'm supposed to be reading a book. I haven't read too many of the pages, but I mean, it seems like a really interesting book. It's all about caring for words. Um, and one of it, it's all, um, there's something in there about talking about how goal oriented people, um, oftentimes have a hard time, uh, or a harder time with playfulness. Um, and that's something that we kind of talked about in the class, but I think it's kind of true, but also, I don't know. Part of me feels like, I think that, I don't know, just the way that she phrased it was a little little frustrating but it seemed like because it seemed like playfulness is a good thing but sometimes it isn't always a good thing um but would you say that you were a goal-oriented person for sure and do you think that like playfulness is part of poetry Hmm. i think so but also so much of poetry is very structured yeah and i think they can be intertwined Mm -hmm. or completely distinct sometimes yeah because i feel like in because i feel like when you are playful you have to kind of go away from the structure um in fact there is this really weird honestly it was not that good of a movie but there's this movie that i watched that only had like six scenes of dialogue and the dialogue wasn't always that great but there's one scene of dialogue that's actually kind of fire and it was all about like this really apathetic young man who's like living in his parent he like moves to italy and like lives with his in his dead parents house because they just died and it was kind of sad it was actually really sad but (laughs) he like his neighbor's trying to get him out of his rut and he's like in our life we spend 93 percent we spent 93 percent of our life doing the exact same thing waking up next to the same person making the same coffee taking the same way to do the same work to only to come back the same route to have the same dinner with the same people to go to bed at the same time right like 90 for like or 90 like 7 98 percent of our day is the exact same he said there's only that two or three percent of our life that's different that 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 goes apart from that that gives us flavor and meaning to the rest of our life right and he said it's our moral responsibility to make that four percent five percent six percent if you're feeling really ballsy you can even go seven percent i guess (laughs) and it was interesting because right after that like only the seventh scene of dialogue um (laughs) He was met with a counter by some, well, I forgot how she was related in the story, in the story, but there was like some woman who kind of countered that and completely disagreed. And she said, no, he was like, you're looking at as if like that structure, as if that monotony is bad, um, as if that's something to be avoided, whereas that is what makes the rest of it also special. And it's the people who can find the beauty and the joy in the monotony and in the sameness that those are the ones who have really found life. Now, I mean, those are two spectrums. I'm sure there's somewhere in between that is the real truth. But what what, what do you think about that? Mm, what movie was that? I couldn't tell you. It was some weird Amazon Prime movie. Gotcha. Um, I definitely would say I lean more towards what the girl was saying. Um different movie that I watched this past week that really got me good probably a bit more mainstream than your deep cut Amazon Prime find (laughs) um but about time um, oh that is a fire movie it's so lovely it is it's truly just our tennis team watched that and 
it was kind of a it was like it was a big hit to the to the masculinity when all of the men just started weeping at the end yeah so (laughs) basically if you look at your life and you ask yourself if I were to live it again would I do the same exact things and I think in the grand scheme of things I think a lot of our life hopefully at least how I see it is I wouldn't do too much differently um and I think there's like a comfort in structure and I don't think that normal is something that we need to avoid I think it's something that's like um you can find so much to celebrate in mundane um I think chasing after like adrenaline hits constantly or putting yourself in a mindset that forces you to be discontent is just going to be so dissatisfying or dissatisfying Mm -hmm. that's a word yeah um yeah I think I think there's so much good in the 93 percent that you don't need to discount that and yeah I I think the fact that we have normal and a basis to go back to makes all the other special things that much better mm-hmm yeah that's true um there was um i know i know for an absolute fact that i'm going to misattribute this quote Good. but if i had to guess <laughs> it was the poet william carlos williams um and i'm probably not even going to remember the quote exactly but i just make it your own the heart <laughs> that's plagiarism. um but I think the heart of it was that someone has to, he was, he said, someone has to keep an eye on those, ah, gosh, no, it was, ah, it was like poets. What are they good for? Right. It was like, I mean, someone has to keep an eye on all of those pesky little squirrels because no one else will. Right. And I think that's also part of poetry too, was, is finding the beauty in the monotony, in the, in the, like the 93 percent right just living at a certain pace of life that allows for you to do that and like one thing that uh, someone was talking to me about was how like there's this one painter who um he was in the netherlands um and what he did was he just painted like he like catalog he did all these paintings all this one haystack and just how the haystack changed over time And this one person was like wow that was that seems so cool i wish i had the time to do that then I realized that we walk past the same trees every single day. Like we have the opportunity that every, like if we just choose to like notice the certain things, like if, if like one thing, one of my, like one thing, like if, if to enjoy and fully know nature is to name and know nature. If you have like an actual relationship with like a tree, if there's like this tree that you call Bob, and you see Bob every day, then you do that. And like we walk past the same trees in the same places every single day, like on our way to classes and just throughout life. So I feel like we could also do that. It's just, you know, there's more pressing things to focus on, I guess. I don't know. Hmm. But yeah. Mm -hmm. I think looking at something for two more seconds than you would normally would even like shift how you think about things. Like, you walk around, you gaze, you kind of don't focus on anything because your mind is somewhere else. But just, I think, looking. I mean, this sounds super, like, stupid, quite honestly. But, 
I mean, along the lines of calling a, bo a tree Bob. <laughs> I think if you look at a squirrel for two seconds, it's just running across the road instead of just like, oh, registering there's a squirrel. You're like, oh, it's kind of fun. It's a little fluffy animal. Yeah. Like, that's joyful. <laughs> <laughs> that is true. That is true. Well, folks, I know that you guys are all clamoring for the next for the next poem of Leaves of Grass. So um, I think this would be a pretty good transition into one. Um, so let's see. Let's see what we've got. Let's see what we've got on the docket today. Oh, this one has a pretty picture. <laughs> all right. This is number 23 out of Song of Myself. Endless unfolding of words of ages. And mine a word of the modern, a word in mass, a word of the faith that never balks, one time as good as another, here or henceforth it is all the same to me, a word of reality, materialism first and last imbuing, hurrah for positive science, long live exact demonstration, fetch stone crop and mix it with cedar and branches of lilac, this is the le lexicographer or chemist. This made a grammar of the Cartouches. These mariners put the ship through dangerous unknown seas. This is the geologist in the works with the scalpel. And this is the mathematician. Gentlemen, I receive you and attach and clasp hands with you. The facts are useful and real. They are not my dwelling. I enter by them into an area of the dwelling. I am less the remainder of property or qualities and more the remainder of life. I go on to the square for my own sake and for others' sake, and to make short account of neuters and geldings and favor the men and women fully equipped, and beat the gong of revolt, to stop the fugitives and with them that plot and conspire. Number 24. Walt Whitman, an American, one of the roughs, a cosmos, disorderly, fleshy, eating, drinking, and breeding. No, sentim no sentimentalists, no stander above men or women or apart from them, no more modest than immodest. Unscrew the locks from the doors. Unscrew the doors themselves from their jams. Whoever degrades another degrades me, and whatever is done or said returns at last to me. And whatever I do or say I also return. Through me the afflatist surging and surging, through me the current and index. I speak the password primeval. I give the sign of democracy. By God, I will accept nothing which all cannot have their counterpart on the same terms. Through me, many long, dumb voices. Voices of the indeterminable generation of slaves. Voices of prostitutes or deformed persons. Voices of the deceased or despairing and the thieves and dwarfs. Voices of cycles of preparation and accretion and of the threads that connect the stars and of wombs and of the far farther stuff. Of the rights of them of the others are down upon, of the trivial and flat and foolish and despised, of the fog and the air and the beetles rolling balls of dung. Through for me, through me forbidden voices, voices of mm, something, voices <laughs> veiled and I remove the veil, voices indecent by me clarified and transfigured. I do not press my finger across my mouth. I keep as delicate around my bowels as my head and my heart. Copulation is no more mere rank to me than death is. I believe in the flesh and the appetites, seeing, hearing, and feeling are miracles. Each part and tag of me is a miracle. 
Divine am I inside and out. I make holy whatever I touch or am touched from. The scent of the arms pits an aroma finer than prayer. This head is more than churches or Bibles or creeds. If I worship any particular thing, it shall be some of the spread of my body. Translucent mold of me, it shall be you. Shaded ledges and rests, um, it shall be you. Whatever goes to this tilth of me, it shall be you. You, my rich blood, you, my milky stream, pale strippings of my life, <laughs> uh, that presses me to others, it shall be you. My brain, it shall be the occult convolations, roots of washed sweet flag, timorous pond snipe, nests of guarded delicate leg eggs, it shall be you. Mixed tussled hay of head and beard, it shall be brawn, it shall be you. Tickling sap of maple fiber, of manly wheat, it shall be you. Sun so joyous, it shall be you. Vapors and lighting and shading my face, it shall be you. You sweaty brooks and dews, it shall be you. I dote on myself. There is a lot of me and all so luscious. Each moment and whatever happens thrills me with joy. I cannot tell how my ankles bend, nor whence the cause is my faintest wish, nor when the cause of friendship I emit, nor the cause of the friendship I take. I walk up my stoop is inaccountable. I pause to consider what it really be. That I eat and drink is spectacle enough for the great authors and schools. The morning glory of my window satisfies me more than the metaphysics of books. To behold the daybreak, the little light fades with immense and diaphorous shadows. The air tastes good to my palate. Hefts of the moving world in innocuous gambols, silently rising, freshly excuting. I don't even know what. Uh, scooting obliquely, scooting obliquely high and low. Something I cannot see puts towards libidinous prongs, seas of bright juice suffuse heaven. The earth and the sky stayed with the close daily of their junction, the heaved challenge from the east that moment over the head, the mocking, the mocking taunt, see then which you shall be master. Well, Walt Whitman really just hit us again with that one. <laughs> Man, that... That that man really just goes hard. Um, yeah, he definitely has a a love for life. You know that's for sure. And definitely. for self. And for self, yes, mm -hmm. that is true. Mm -hmm. Um, which is interesting because the first half he talked about how everything given to him ought to be given to others, but then he just talked about himself for the rest of it. <laughs> but yeah. I don't know. I want to look in the mirror and think, oh, I'm more interesting than metaphysics. <laughs> <laughs> well, eh, that's pushing it. Just depends if you think metaphysics is interesting <laughs> or practical. Do you think metaphysics, metaphysics is practical? I don't think something needs to be practical to be valuable, but I don't think it's like really day to day life practical. <laughs> How could something not be practical and still be useful? Engaging your mind, I think. is. But wouldn't that be practical? It would be serving a use. It would be engaging your mind. Books are practical. Mm -hmm. Novels are practical. It just depends what you find as practical. I'm taking forever to process what you just said. Like, for me, <laughs> I feel like when I read... Like, when I read Martin Eden by Jack London... It's not a real story. It's a novel. It doesn't really give me like an outline for my life. 
but it engages my mind, engages my thought, and that is the, the, the purpose in which it serves, right? I think I'm thinking practical as in, like, utility. Mm. So do you think that... So what utility beyond... So how does metaphysics provide utility, then? I don't think it does. Ah, <laughs> so there it is. But it might be practical in the way that you're describing it. But... Uh it doesn't get you from point A to point B. You know, B. I ain't even going to hold you. I don't even really know what, what what's metaphysics. Um, <laughs> it's Aristotelian. But okay. Yeah. Um, <laughs> metaphysics. Um, how does one define? See, this is where. Hmm, throw a little Google search in there. Yeah, that's what we're what's, currently doing. What does Miss Merriam-Webster say? Metaphysics is defined as the branch of philosophy that deals with the first principle of things, including abstract concepts such as being, knowing, substance, cause, identity, time, and space. Yeah, so it's like above what is material. Yeah, it's also more simply defined as abstract theory with no basis in reality. Which seems like it would be very useless if that was the truth but i guess it isn't because a lot of people care about it that have influenced me i guess but i feel how like how can something have no basis in reality yeah um the I think it has the, to. The, the example is the very subject of milk pricing involves one in a wonderland of accounting practices and a metaphysics all its own who knew who knew milk pricing was so interesting? This is such an aside, but did you see Cody Sonnenberg in his cow shorts yet? I did. I had the pleasure. <laughs> One of my good yes. friends, um, Cody Sonnenberg, is a dairy farmer. And for Easter, uh, he also happens to run on our cross-country team. And um, That's where I caught a glimpse. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. And uh, for Easter, he uh, was gifted very thoughtfully a pair of cow shorts where, fun fact for most people who don't know this, but even the inside is a light pink, the color of an udder. Um, that feels so, personal. <laughs> yeah. So we got to, yesterday at tennis practice, I got to see, or two days ago, I guess, mm -hmm. got to see him running around and just those, just pretty, pretty cool. He stands pretty out cool. in the pack. He does stand out in the pack. Oh. Shout out a, to Cody. Shout out to Cody, honestly. <laughs> Um, but seeing as we both kind of made a fool of ourselves trying to talk about something in which we really don't oh, know, we don't like we can understand. We just like to who does <laughs> that's if it has no basis in reality, I guess no one does. Mm -hmm. Um, so yeah, let's just defer to that. Um, we'll play some music for you guys. Um, yeah, so there's um, have you listened to camp? Are you do you listen to camp? You seem like you'd listen to camp. We'll see. It's camp with two A's. Um, but yeah, vagabond <laughs> by them. Um, so they're, they're pretty neat. I, I like them. Um, and then we will, who else should we put in there? We'll do Willie's song by Raylan Baxter. They both have a nice little vibe. It's a, it's spring out. It's nice. So we'll give you a nice little contemporary folk for the evening. <laughs> In the night while my body slept in my bed My mind was running through the woods instead 
100 miles an hour in the fast lane 100 miles an hour in my head And vagabond dreaming takes me through the night Sipping whiskey by the river, living out of sight 100 miles an hour in the fast lane 100 miles an hour toward the light See the curve in that river's bed And I look at you when I see my friend 100 miles an hour in the fast lane a hundred miles an hour till the end. Yep. My heart just beat like a Cherokee drum.
him But he was losing his mind in a world of his own Well, he left on a rainy day Wings spread and wind in his face But nobody knew that Willie could fly Oh, but don't you fly away, boy Don't you fly away Don't you fly away, boy You know everything will be okay So that was Camp and Willie uh, Willie song by Raylan Baxter. Um, so yeah, they're pretty good. What did you think of the songs, Anna? They were nice. I added them to Spotify, so that's a good that's a good sign. That's always a good sign. Saving it for later. Yeah. So one of the reasons why um, you know I decided to have you on was I hear that you're helping to plan a pretty cool pretty cool event coming up. Um, yes, yes. Fabrica? Fabrica? Is that what it's called? Is that it's what it is? pronounced Fabrica. Oh, but Fabrica. Close enough, okay. the okay. thought was there. Yeah. So, what, what, what is Fabrica? Yes. So, Fabrica, this is our second year that IFC, Integration of Faith and Culture, is putting on a fashion show at the end of the semester. Ooh, a fashion show. That yes. sounds fun. Yes, indeed. And um, this year's theme is a celebration in color. So, um, it's going to be a grand time. And ah. it'll be outside of Odal. Um, and like the square around the fire pits out there. Okay. So it'll be a very immersive and big production. I'm excited. Really? Do you have any mm-hmm. any more little hints you want to drop in? Um, I think I'll save the rest for surprises as well okay. as. Okay. Could be surprises for us as well. Us <laughs> planning it. So. <laughs> um, there is an ad coming to an air band near you. Okay. Yes. Okay. That sounds good. May first. Good. Did you hear about the football team? Are they quarantined? No, that is a good guess, though. Okay. That is a good guess. No, they had their game for this weekend canceled. Hmm. So they didn't have a game, but they got rescheduled for next week. Um, so Is it a home game? Yes, it's a home game Ooh. and it's a night game. So Uh-oh. fun fact, um, we, and when I say we, I just mean my roommate. Um, mm-hmm. But we filmed a hype video commercial for <laughs> Airband. Um, but the... F- Originally, it was planned to be because Airband happens two hours after their last home game, so it was going to be it was going to be aired after their last game of the season, and so it is very unfortunate that their game got canceled. But it kind of ended up working out for us because now it actually instead of us just looking stupid airing a commercial for something that already happened, mm-hmm. it'll actually make sense. So well, it's like advertising the next game. Yeah, yeah, that it'll works. work well. Hopefully. Wait, is the football game going to overlap with Jordan Searcy? Is he the next week? Oh, I don't even know who that is. Uh, Main stage is putting on a show. Ooh. Oof. Time conflicts. Yeah, there's always time conflicts. Taylor programming at the end of the year. It just goes a little hard. Mm-hmm. 
Um, can you talk again? Um, f- for why? Oh, you gotta get a little closer to the microphone a little bit. Okay. There you are. My bad. No, you're good. You're good. I'm meandering. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. So Anna, where, where, where do you see yourself in five years? <laughs> oh, that's a go-to question that nobody should know the answer to. Why do you say that? Cause. If you have your life planned out five years from now, and it so happens... Well, I mean, if it so happens that you you know what you're going to be doing, like, great, good for you. But for me, I'm at a point where I'm like, I know what's going to happen next year. But beyond that, it's a joke to think I know anything beyond. <laughs> <laughs> That's fair. So what will happen next year? Um, I will be on campus for a year, and then I will go to Spain. Ah, es, España. Sí. Viva España. Yeah. Are you excited? I'm so excited. I've wanted to do that since I was like 13, so. So a dream come true. Yes. Where will you be staying? Um, Sevilla. Ah, south of Spain. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you get to see, there used to be a, a lot of mosques. The way I understand it is they all were converted back into uh, cathedrals, but... It's one of the, interestingly enough, uh, it's, uh, Spain is still um, considered by a lot of Arab nations um, a rightfully Muslim country. And so mm-hmm. some of the jihads, the jihads still focus on reclaiming Spain, which is interesting. Hmm. But yeah. Lots of religious conflict there. But Spain had like 200, 300 years of... Like Peace. peaceful coexistence between Jews, Muslims, and Christians. So yeah, yeah. So there's hope. Kind it of can, a case study for that. That's, it can it can happen. It is. Yeah, it's possible. Yeah. So, um, if we accept the premise that everyone in life um, uh, can teach us something, what mm-hmm. what can you teach people? Hmm. I don't enjoy talking about myself. <laughs> Let's see. Well, this is a this is a fun platinum. Pl- I know this is <laughs> this is the worst worst place to be <laughs> for someone like me. Um, what can I teach people? Um, I hope I can teach. Well, this is something that I'm like actively trying to work on currently. So hopefully, it's more of a learning with other people of how to disagree. On pretty fundamental issues with love still and maintaining respect and getting outside of your own head and your own convictions and trying to understand why other people are so diametrically opposed to you. Um, I think my mind has changed so much on so many significant things in the last couple years that I feel like I do have an ability to see both sides decently well because I grew up in one like perspective and a lot of that has shifted but I still understand the basis of why I believe certain things for 17 years 18 years Mm -hmm. um and also trying to I don't get extremely emotional about political things or um maybe theological things I might get more righteously angry about <laughs> get a little feisty yeah get a little saucy on those things but as far as like politics goes i think 
I can remove myself from like feeling emotionally just charged and listen because I don't I don't feel super super secure in everything that I'm thinking about so um Mm -hmm. I think that enables me to not get super frustrated or attach identity to people based off of what they believe I think everybody everybody's a lot more complicated than that and I think it's easy to um just make judgments off of a couple things and just say oh it's impossible for me to be friends with them which I mean Mm -hmm. yeah that's something I struggle with but trying to figure that out better what was the impetus for this change in thought Mm, getting away from the south having my own personal identity develop um and mm, yeah just pursuing things that I didn't allow myself to think about before um having friends uh that believe very differently than what I did growing up and having thoughtful people Mm -hmm. um talk through issues it's been super helpful yeah that was very nice thanks (laughs) thank you for sharing yes that was a good question (laughs) what's one way that you want to grow so many um pride gotta work on that big time (laughs) but also not being scared to speak and like I think owning my story is something that I'm trying to work on and what does that mean like articulating who I am better and I already said I don't like talking about myself so I Mm -hmm. think like learning how to do that with humility but like also not downplaying myself yeah yeah it is interesting trying to find that balance of being accurate and being mm-hmm. humble mm-hmm. but also like i don't know i think i think also a big part of it is just finding like the the first foundation of just having an accurate viewpoint of yourself like i think mm-hmm. it's really hard I, that's something i struggle with is figuring out like having an accurate perception of who i am and how other people perceive me um because oftentimes they don't always align <laughs> and they probably should which way do you sway like, I think I see, like, I always know, I mean, obviously, I always know my justifications for things. Mm-hmm. Like, I always feel, like, there's a quote by Kanye saying, I may not be on time, I may not be correct. Like, I m- may often do the wrong thing, but I can ex- I can assure you my intentions are always extremely pure. And I feel like that's something that resonates with me. Like, I know that I make mistakes all the time. Every time I make a mistake, it's one that, for the most part, is almost always based in good intentions just was not executed well um, or well thought out because I don't always think before I act or do. Um, and so I don't think I always see how other people perceive me because I always already know my own like intentions. Like I already know why I did that. And so I never really pause to figure out, you know, how other people. <laughs> and I think that has to do with my own, like, I think that has that has affected like my own sense of pride and humility if I don't really have an accurate viewpoint of who I am or how I affect people. And sometimes it goes the other way too. But it's just it's a lot more rare for me to think that like, oh, I'm doing something wrong or people don't appreciate it and then people do appreciate it. I'm sure that happens every once in a while, but not as much as it 
not as much as you know it would be convenient to be <laughs> that's for definitely sure but i just it doesn't happen often i think probably for anyone yeah i don't think i think that's just a part of the i think both of the things are just part of the human experience i'm sure that's not just unique to me um because i'm sure there's very little of any of us that are unique to just us you know but how do you think you can know what other people are thinking about you I I mean one you can see I feel like you can see it in their eyes you know <laughs> sometimes every once in a while like you say something and then you see their eye you're like oof should not have said that <laughs> um but I mean there's like the easy like the I mean not gonna say the easy but like there's the tangible ones of just how people react um like there are times where sometimes like you intend to be nice or saying something I say this all the time I forgot who it was Oh, I was talking to a girl yesterday and I was like, hey, your hair is really starting to look nice. Oh and I gosh. didn't really, I thought that was a compliment. Oh, I ain't no. gonna hold you. I thought that was gonna oh, be a compliment. No. And she was like, you idiot. <laughs> and I was like, that's fair. I was like, I didn't really think that one through. But like, my intention was to give her a compliment because her hair looks nice. But the so way I phrased it, it was just so horrible. Oh, um, and so, like, there's a pretty, there's a pretty, pretty visceral reaction mm-hmm. to that immediately <laughs> happening. Um, so I think that's like the easy one. Um, there have been James Brads is a guy on my floor and he think he does a good job where he'll literally he'll ask you. He's like, how do you perceive me? Like I have my own perceptions myself. Right, he's also a psychology student. So he thinks about it too much than he probably should. <laughs> and we're all a little arrogant and narcissistic, especially when we're a little smarter. But he asks that all the time. He'll be like, how do you perceive me? Um, and just asking people for it. But I think I think for the most part, it's just like reading how people react to you. Like you can see it in like deeper ways too, like how people treat you, what people ask of you, the expectations people hold you to, or even just like you can notice it in their language, like in how they reference you. Like you can read a lot in terms of how people perceive you. And sometimes it's sometimes it's not always accurate, but I think that I mean, it's just what we have to work off of, if that mm-hmm. makes sense. Do you take criticism well? Um, I don't know if anyone really takes criticism that well. It's always personal, you know? Criticism is never, like... I don't think... As much as you can try and make criticism, like, objective and not really personal. So it always obviously hurts. But I feel like... I feel like I take it at least better than I used to. It's I, I think it's hard to compare yourself to others. But I think that I've gotten a lot more comfortable in being wrong... Um, so, yeah, yeah, Hmm. but, well, folks, this has been a delightful evening. Um, thank you all for coming to our dinner party. Um, but we're almost out of time. I know it flies back just so fast. So if you all just give me about 20 seconds, I know you guys have, you guys have been, I've been seeing the emails. I've been seeing the texts. I've been seeing all of the, the, the faxes and you guys have really missed ending with big iron by Marty Robbins. So we're going to end with that. Um, and I, I really hope you guys go out, enjoy the weather, um, get some sun and, um, yep, here it is. To the town of our free rode a stranger one fine day 
Hardly spoke to folks around him, didn't have too much to say. No one dared to ask his business, no one dared to make a slip. The stranger there among them had a big iron on his hip, big iron on his hip. It was early in the morning when he rode into the town. He came riding from the south side, slowly looking all around. He's an outlaw, loose and running, came the whisper from each lip. And he's here to do some business with a big iron on his hip, big iron on his hip. In this town there lived an outlaw by the name of Texas Red. Many men had tried to take him and that many men were dead. He was vicious and a killer, though a youth of 24. And the notches on his pistol numbered one in 19 more. One in 19 more. Now the stranger started talking, made it plain to folks around. Was an Arizona Ranger, wouldn't be too long in town. He came here to take an outlaw back alive or maybe dead. And he said it didn't matter, he was after Texas Red. After Texas Red. Wasn't long before the story was relayed to Texas Red. But the outlaw didn't worry, men that tried before were dead. Twenty men had tried to take him, twenty men had made a slip. Twenty-one would be the ranger with the big iron on his hip, big iron on his hip. The morning passed so quickly it was time for them to meet. It was twenty past eleven when they walked out in the street. Folks were watching from the windows, everybody held their breath. They knew this handsome ranger was about to meet his death, about to meet his death. There was forty feet between them when they stopped to make their play. And the swiftness of the ranger is still talked about today. Texas red had not cleared leather for a bullet fairly ripped. And the ranger's aim was deadly with the big iron on his hip, big iron on his hip. It was over in a moment and the folks had gathered round. There before them lay the body of the outlaw on the ground. Oh, he might have went on living, but he made one fatal slip when he tried to match the ranger with the big iron on his hip, big iron on his hip. Big iron, big iron. When he tried to match the ranger with the big iron on his hip, the guy on his All right, everyone. Thank you so much. Ooh, that's loud. Thank you, everyone, so much for joining me today. Um, and mom, I love you. <laughs>